Some of you think that death is the end. I'm here to tell you death is just the beginning. Come on, isn't that what Jesus said standing in front of the tomb of Lazarus? Isn't that what Jesus said? Didn't his sister say, Lord, if you'd have just came when we summoned for you, he'd have still been here. Jesus said, do you believe in the resurrection? Say, yeah, Lord, I believe in the resurrection. I know he'll live again. But Jesus proceeded to say, I am. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I listen, I listen, the Holy Spirit just spoke this into my heart. There's some dead stuff God wants to raise here today. There's some stuff that God needs to give power to. You got to have power to get up, somebody. Did you hear what I said? You got to have power to get up. Somebody said, I'm so ready for the Lord to come. You better have power to meet him in the air. Hello? Because he's not coming to the earth. Not the, not the second time. Hello? But the Bible said, Paul said to the church at Corinth, amen, he's coming. He said to the church at Thessalonica, he's coming. The trumpet of God's going to sound and the voice of an archangel is going to call out. But we're going to have to have power to meet him in the clouds of heaven. Somebody said, Earth's going to lose its gravitational pull. Oh, that's exactly the truth, but there's got to be something on your end. Can I get a witness, somebody? Can I get a witness? Glory to God. But the Bible said that Jesus stood in front of that tomb. He was broken. His friend Lazarus had died. But Jesus said, Come forth. <laughs> Can I ask you a question here today? I want you to be real clear with God. Come on, I want you right now. Right now. I want you to be real clear with God. Holy Ghost, help me. And I want you to be absolutely transparent in this moment. As you clear your mind and open your heart, to receive what God has for you today. Somebody need to lift your hands and say, I'm ready. Somebody need to lift both of them and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive. Lord, that power that raised Jesus from the dead. You declared that power lived in us. And you said that I had the power to call those things. Oh, to be as though they were. Somebody ought to praise him in a minute. Glory to God. So there's some stuff that is starting to decay. There's some stuff that is deteriorating in our spirit man. And God wants to breathe new life into it today. We have to set ourselves to receive what the Lord has for us. You know, the prophet Joel said, in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He said, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. But did you know there was a time of preparation before the day of Pentecost came? Do you know that they were assembled together in one place of the same mind and accord? When Acts chapter 2, the Bible said, Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing and a mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared cloven tongues that sat on. Somebody say, Jesus, I need the Holy Ghost to sit on me this morning. There are times I want to get riled up in myself. The time that I want to take authority over matters when I ought to leave it in your hands. So Lord, help me that when that rises up, the Holy Ghost will sit me down. Can you say that today? In your spirit, can you say, God, when I want to act in the flesh? Come on, y'all. When I want to do my own thing, even when I say to God, I got this, don't tell me you have it. Because there are a lot of you guys in here that's mechanics. You think you can work everything out. But I can assure you that those spiritual matters belong to God.
That's his fight. Step back and watch God move. Anybody listening? So today I just need you to say that without reservation. God, when I want to flare up, when I want to act out of the ordinary, Lord, when I'm feeling some kind of way, you know we can feel some kind of way sometimes. Lord, when I can want to feel some kind of way, just let the Holy Ghost sit on me. Hallelujah. Let him sit on me. Lord, that your perfect will would be done. I want to preach to you today. I want to preach to you today. I believe the atmosphere is set to receive the word of the living God. I want to give consideration to those events that were shaped this evening, but I feel like preaching. Hallelujah. The devil's in trouble. I feel like preaching today. Glory to God. Do you know that one of our missions is to know Jesus, the other to make him known? Do you know that? You know that as Christians, we are ambassadors, royal ambassadors. What is that? That's a legal appointed representation of who God is. Paul said, I'm an ambassador of Jesus, even in chains, on house arrest. So, Brother Isaac, we are appointed legal representatives of Jesus Christ here upon the earth. We're to know him and to make him known. But it saddens me that people occupy pews in churches every Sunday morning that know about Jesus but don't know Jesus. Can I preach to your hearts today? Stand with me. I want to read one verse of Scripture in your presence. Holy Ghost needs no introduction. He's in the house. Hallelujah. He's in the house this morning. His presence has already been made known. One verse of Scripture penned in John's Gospel. Chapter 17, verse 3. Gospel according to St. John, chapter 17, and verse number 3. I love to hear pages turning. It's visible on the screen. Shout at me when you're ready. Ready. Glory to God. The Word of God so states, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only, true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent this is Jesus prayer in John chapter 17 Jesus knows that his death is on the horizon and he's praying he's praying for not only the believer he's he's praying for the unbeliever he's praying for everybody he prays for himself and Jesus request is that they may know you the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, Lord of heaven and earth, we thank you for this time that you have granted us to share together here this morning. Thank you for the presence of he, the comforter, who is among us even now. Lord, it's my prayer that through your power, you will allow us to communicate this word in such a fashion and manner, Lord, that it will touch the ears of all listeners the hearts of all recipients here today bless all over the world as your word is going forth today let it do so in great power and conviction in the strong name of Jesus this is our prayer amen and amen you might be seated in the Lord's presence we're going to begin today with the series who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? I want to entitle today's message, Knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus. These messages will focus upon his life, his death, and his resurrection. They'll focus upon his message and his mission as we approach Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. If I were to poll this audience, many would say, I, well, I, I, I know God. I know God. People everywhere say, I know God. But in reality, they know about God. They've heard of God. But something very key is missing. You see, to know God involves having knowledge of who He is. 
The simple definition of knowledge is information gained. It's like what you put into a computer. That's, that's, that's knowledge. My short definition for wisdom is that applied. Wisdom is information applied. Knowledge is wisdom gained. Okay? So a lot of people say, I know God. But how many would agree with me today that head knowledge and heart knowledge are two totally different things? Oh, man, I feel some witness in the house this morning. There are many different kinds of knowledge. You see, head knowledge, we know things with our minds. With head knowledge, we comprise a body of facts, a group of words, phrases. With head knowledge, this is how we relate to one another. And those things come to us naturally. But how many of us know today that spiritual things are totally different. They're totally different. Listen what Paul says to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2 and 14. This is why that it's difficult at times for us to be an effective witness, Brother Greg, because the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Witnessing to an individual on my job, and he just, I think his whole motive is to disprove the reality of the Bible, the Word of God. And so I just looked him in the face and said, I wouldn't expect you to understand. You are not spiritual. Jesus doesn't live inside your heart. You haven't asked him for forgiveness through repentance. So you are a natural man, sir, and you cannot discern the things of the Spirit. The word discern deals with something that's perceivable. It deals with something that's recognized. It's not only the ability to know right and wrong, but the word discern also involves the ability to make sound choices. And the Lord has created us as free moral agents. Thank God, Brother Eric, he has not forced us into his service. But he has given us the ability to choose. But you heard it from me, hot off the presses, that the natural man cannot discern the things of God. Totally impossible. So now you may ask, well, pastor, how do I obtain knowledge? How do I obtain knowledge? We obtain knowledge by spending time in learning and studying. Then eventually, over time, what happens? Our brains collect all this data. Right? Stephen Hawking says that we're like computers. He says humans are like computers. And what's going to happen is over time, the parts are going to wear out and we're just going to expire. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed to the man once to die and after death, the judgment. So we're going to all meet the judgment someday, saints of God. That doesn't come with head knowledge. That comes with heart knowledge. Remember, two totally different things. We strive to learn the Bible this way. We apply a group of facts, figures, history, the meanings of the original languages. Nothing wrong with that. That's wonderful. But i got to help you understand that it's only through God's presence, the Holy Spirit, that we're going to understand the Bible. We can have shelves full of books. You can have 98 degrees on the wall and still be dumb as a bag of hammers. Hello? Pastor, now you're knocking education. No, no, no. I'm an advocate for education. We've never been more intelligent than we are right now. Somebody said, really? True. But this is a fact. The natural man will never discern the things of God. That takes the spirit. And the only way to possess the spirit is to be a child of God. Dr. David Jeremiah, many of you may know him as a renowned Christian author. He's the founder of Turning Point Radio and Television Ministries and serves as the current senior pastor 
of Shadow Mountain Community Church in El Cajon, California. That's a, a suburb of San Diego. It's a mega church. Thousands of people. And listen what Dr. Jeremiah says. I quote, head knowledge without heart knowledge is worse than useless. But when head and heart join forces, it changes our lives forever. Many people have a head knowledge of Jesus, but they haven't trusted him for salvation. And their heart is void of spiritual understanding. In our lifetimes, we've often heard spiritual knowledge called revelation. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever said that spiritual knowledge is, 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 is revelation? We know that revelation collects with some, connects with something that is revealed. And how is it revealed? It's revealed by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12 tells us this about the Word of God. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God. Now that, my friends, is very powerful. Because I want to help us understand that the Holy Spirit is, is acting as a discerning agent in our life. He's actually serving the purpose as a judge in our lives. Come on, saints of God. Helping us. Hallelujah. The Bible said he is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, I love that the writer uses the words division of the soul and spirit. Because many people believe the soul and the spirit are the same thing. They use those words, Brother Jerry, interchangeably. But the spirit and soul of man are not the same. We have a spirit, but we are not spirits. Somebody ought to say amen. Oh, yeah. We are souls, but without God, we have no soul. Oh, my. Oh, glory to God. Pastor, maybe you can expound upon that a little deeper. Well, the Hebrew word that is translated soul means a breathing creature, one in which life is present. The word spirit is that part of us that connects or refuses to connect with God. How about that? So the soul houses our senses, our desires, our affections, our appetites, and or our emotions. So spiritual revelation, saints of God, or knowledge, is that that is unshakable. How many of you know that when the Spirit of God bursts it down into your heart, that that is unshakable? When God's Word has said it, there's no demon or devil from the depths of hell that can change your mind about what God's Word has said. There any truth to this? Come on, this is the Bible. This is the Word of God. He either is who, he's, who it says He is, or He's not. The truth is that He is God. And beside Him, there is no other. When spiritual knowledge or revelation that becomes unshakable is nestled down deep within our spirits and tucked away in our innermost being, it's then that we summon it from the crevices of the depths of our soul when we're facing difficult times and when the devil in hell says, you're going to perish. It's the Spirit of God that says, you're going to live. It's the Spirit of God that says, you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's the truth of God's word. No wonder Paul said to the churches in the provinces of Galatia, I am crucified with Christ and yet I live. Not I, but Christ that lives within me and the life that I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God. That's the truth, saints. Amen. 
we tuck that away in our inner being, nestle that down deep in our spirits, there's no demon or devil from the pit of hell that can wrestle it from our grasp. What did Paul say? He said, if I am for you, who can be against you? What did the prophet Isaiah say? When the enemy shall come in like a flood. It's the spirit of God that will raise up a standard against him. Can I get one witness in this house? I want you to know today, hallelujah, brother Greg, when you've tucked the word of God, that spiritual knowledge down deep in your innermost being, it's then in a crisis, it's then in life's trying moments, it's in a time when you feel like every friend has abandoned you. It's then that the Holy Ghost of God will refresh your memory to the Word of God and what's tucked away deep inside of you. And then it becomes a weapon against our adversary. That's right. No wonder David said, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. It's only through the power of God's presence. The first thing we need to understand, uh, understand and establish that Jesus is the Son of God. I said Jesus is the Son of God. Don't get hung up on the past tense. He was, Jesus is the Son of Almighty God. He said in the book of Revelation, Behold, I am he that liveth and was dead, but behold. I am alive forevermore. I said Jesus wasn't. Jesus is the son of the living God. Contrary to what other doctrines and faiths may teach, I want to tell you that Jesus is not a cartoon character. Jesus is not some mystical creation. I want to tell you he's not some computer, a generated image. I feel the power, amen, of the Holy Ghost present in this service. Even right now, I need you to know, amen, that he is the son of the living God. Jesus is God's only begotten. Other faiths want to take the word begotten, Brother Greg, and they want to use it in a manner that would instruct us to believe that because I was the begotten son of my father, then Jesus, hallelujah, he had to be begotten by an earthly mother and father. Are you with me? But how many of you know that's not the way? That God became flesh and lived among us. Somebody said, you mean to tell me you can wrap your mind around that? I said, only through faith in the Son of God can this be possible. Typically, when we think of someone being a son, we think of a biological offspring. Am I right? And the Bible talks many times of how couples begat children. But Jesus was different. Oh my, stick with me. I'm going to bring this home. Because when we reference Son of God to the person of Jesus Christ, that title takes on a multifaceted role. What does that mean? It means it, it has a variety of different and important features. Or even elements. For in the New Testament alone, Jesus' sonship highlights his relationship to God, his Father. Jesus' sonship highlights his divine nature. His sonship reflects upon his messianic role as the Savior of the world. Can I bless you? I don't mean to go get an old doctor on you today. But Jesus didn't get here through in vitro fertilization. Can I get an amen, somebody? Can I tell you Jesus was not a test tube baby? Can I preach while I'm here? 
Can I tell somebody that Jesus did not come into existence by artificial insemination? Is anybody in the house listening? You're like, Pastor, you're just getting all doctory on us this morning. But can I tell you that how Jesus came to be? The Bible says that in Luke chapter 1 and verse 31, I believe it was the angel Gabriel that appeared unto Mary. Holy Ghost, help me just a few moments. And he began to tell her that she was highly favored among all women. And then he said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name. Jesus can I bless you amen and tell you glory to God that he's not a fictitious character he's not a test tube baby he didn't arrive through in vitro fertilization or artificial insemination but he was glory to God God who became flesh and dwelt among us he's God no two ways about it Jesus is God manifested in human form. John 1.14. Everybody knows John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. Hello, somebody. Somebody said, well, where did Jesus come from? He's always been the pre-existent son of the living God. Can I tell you that he has no beginning and he has no end. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. The Bible tells us in John's gospel, they meant there was nothing made that was not made by him. I want to set the record straight and let the devil know that Jesus was not created. He always has been. Yeah. He always has been and always will be. Oh, glory to the living God. Hallelujah. Pastor, what are you talking about? And the word, John 1, 14, the word, God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. The reality is this, Brother Mitchell, that the word begotten translates into the unique. It translates into the only one of his kind. How many of you know there's never been another Jesus? There's never been another like Jesus. And there'll never be no one else, amen, that would take the place of Jesus. He's the only begotten son of God. Only. Unique, only one of his kind. You see that word glory in that verse? That word glory in the Old Testament referenced dwelling. It referenced tabernacle. It referenced God taking up residence in the temple. Brace yourself. You ready? Are you ready? You can't put God in a box. God help us. Come on, somebody. How many of you know that the perpetual presence of God hovered over that mercy seat? And that was a direct symbol to let the people of God know God was in the house. But guess where God is now? Uh, Brother Tommy, can I get one amen? He ain't living in these four walls. Can I get an amen, somebody? He's living in this little old thing just about 18 inches below my collarbone. Called my heart. Can somebody give him praise in this place? Not only, hallelujah, did he take up residence in the tabernacle, in the tent of meeting, in any dwelling with the people of God assembled themselves together but after glory to God Jesus came and made salvation possible to you and I he now lives inside of every believer every believer he indwells us hallelujah through the person of his son the Lord Jesus Christ let's look at Hebrews Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Now some faiths, they teach that Jesus was an angel. And then he reverted back to his angelic form. I said, boy, they got a, they got a case of mistaken identity. I said, then who in the world was that that John baptized in the Jordan River? My daddy used to say this phrase. Through an eye of faith, I can see Jesus walking by the banks of the Jordan. And John was baptizing that day when Jesus walked into his presence. 
And he said, John, I got to be baptized by you. Woo! Glory to God. I'm talking about the one that... Yeah, man, wore that garment of camel's hair and ate locust and wild honey. That one you wouldn't invite it home for Sunday dinner. Can I say amen, somebody? I'm talking about one who said, it's not me, but there's one coming that's mightier than I. And he's so glorious. He's so righteous. He's so holy. Hallelujah. I'm not even worthy to unloose, amen, the latches on his sandals. He's coming. And Jesus said, John, baptize me. The Bible said as he immersed him in that water and he came out, the Spirit of God descended upon him in the form of a dove. That's the Holy Spirit. And then there was a voice, Brother Isaac, out of heaven. And that voice said, this is, oh, what kind of son? My beloved son. Woo! Glory to God. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. I said, explain that to me. They said that was Jesus releasing his identity that came back. I said, Jesus is not a ventriloquist. Are you listening to me? Jesus wasn't speaking and his lips not moving. That was the voice of Almighty God. And that dove was symbolic, Sister Pat, of the Holy Ghost. So in that instant, we saw right there in the Jordan River, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. You ought to praise him in this house. Jesus is the Son of God. Hebrews 1.3 said, Who being the brightness of his glory. You better underline this in your Bible because the devil going to check you on this. And the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the, power, by the word of his power. When he had himself, by himself, purged our sins. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Who was that class? Say that again. You sure that wasn't Gabriel? You sure that wasn't Michael? You sure that wasn't Mohammed? Or Charles Russell? Come on somebody. Brother Harold said that was the Messiah. The Savior. The Son of the living God. And the right hand means what? It means a position of authority. Come on y'all. Now, can I tell you one thing? If you know God, you've got to know Jesus. Come on, y'all. Because they are inseparable. So to know Jesus is to know God and vice versa. Am I right? Come on, if that's a little too deep for y'all, slow this bus down. But I want to assure us right now that of the 47 times that the authors use that title, the Son of God, in the New Testament alone, they speak of Christ's deity and his preeminence. Somebody said, break that. I don't know if I understand what that means. Here's what the writer of the book of Hebrews said. He said he was greater than the order of Melchizedek, the high priest. He said before, good God have mercy, somebody. He said before the great man of God, Abraham was, Jesus was. Can I get away? witness somebody what does the book of Hebrews do but outline both the sufficiency and the superiority of Jesus Christ he's greater than the angels he's greater than our patriot saints there's never been anyone like Jesus can I tell you he's not an angel he's not a prophet can I preach this Jesus is not just as some folk can say a good man one brother said to me, he said, your Jesus is about like our prophet. He's a good man. So hold on just a second, brother. Let me collect myself here before I answer you. But Jesus is not just a good man. Jesus is the only begotten son of the living God. Who do you say I am? You have to know Jesus to be able to express who he is. I'm not talking about knowing about him. I'm talking about personally knowing him. Somebody said, Pastor, how can I know? 
You've already told me how to gain knowledge. You basically just said I gotta dive into, I gotta dive into books, I gotta dive into information and input that. And it's like a computer, it records it as data in my mind and in my heart, and I can recall it in a time of crisis and, and when I need to. But 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 how? How can I know Jesus? How can I know Jesus personally? How can I know him personally? We said at the onset of the service that is the plan of God, that we know him and that we make him known. Amen. See, to know someone is to be aware through observation. Preach, Pastor. But I love this deeper definition. This deeper definition says to know someone is through a relationship, through both meeting and spending time together. Am I right? Is that how we develop relationships? Somebody said, well, Pastor, what's a relationship? It's a connection. That's what a relationship is. It's a hookup. Can I say it like that? That's what a relationship is. I'm just going to keep it real with us. That's what relationship is. What's your relationship to this person or that person? What's your connection? What's your link to this person or that person? I know Jesus through the pardon and forgiveness of sin. We all in this room, we in, at, at one time or another, especially the guys, girls not so much, but especially the guys, we, we love sports. We just, I don't know, we love sports. What can I say? Girls, if your man don't like sports, say something wrong. I'm just saying. That's just, you know, me being me. Um, but aren't you glad that he likes sports and don't like other stuff? He could like stuff that he got no business liking. Go, preacher, save that for another sermon. Thank you. Save that for another sermon. That's good. That's good thought. But, you know, we just had the pinnacle of, of, of uh, NFL football in the Super Bowl. We just, we just had that. Brother Gomez is back there licking his chops. He's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. And... They won the Super Bowl. Okay? So we have those figures that, that I'm not going to say we idolize because we understand that there's sin in making idols. But we have those figures and, and you know, persons of influence in each respective sport that we like. And they've got a phrase now that they call them, they call them the GOAT. G-O-A-T, the greatest of all time, right? They said Tom Brady, he's the GOAT. He has seven Super Bowl rings, okay? Nobody, nobody has that many rings. So that would be a case for a strong argument that he's the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game. That's your opinion. You, you reserve the right to feel that way. And let me tell you something. We can read every article about our hero. We can memorize every stat. We can watch every game, collect every piece of memorabilia, and still not know that person. Kendall, you know how that's possible? Because I never met Tom Brady. It'd be impossible for me to know him. I know of him. You know, a lot of people live their life, call themselves Christian, and they don't know Jesus anymore than they know Tom Brady. I'm not being mean, folks. I'm just keeping it real. I'm just keeping it real. Now, what are the chances, Sister Abs, that out of a, you know, a massive group of people, of course, that didn't happen this year because of social distancing and COVID-19 protocol. That didn't happen. But what are the chances out of masses of people that Tom is going to call you out and say, hey, friend? Pretty slim, right? How about it, Brother Eric? As much as you love those Buccaneers, is he going to pick you out of a crowd and say, hey, there's my number one fan? 
not likely. So then how am I going to know an individual personally? Through relationships. Thank you, Brother Harold. And how do relationships develop, class? Hmm. Through spending time together. Through spending time together. I told you fellas a couple weeks ago how to keep that love tank full. Yeah. Don't never let that thing run on empty. I feel the same way when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. There's a gentleman told me that he had been married X amount of years. Him and his wife had talked about everything through the alphabet, A through Z. They had a house full of youngins, and they could ride hundreds of miles and never say nothing to each other. I said, you don't have a relationship. I was young. I probably hadn't been married two years, three years. The guy said, she knows I love her. I don't have to tell her. You know what my immediate response was? I hope you feel differently about God than that. Because God needs to hear once in a while, I love you, Lord. Ah, God, I got to quit. I got to hurry up. I said, once in a while, the Lord just needs to hear, Father. I love you. Come on. Listen, that's how relationships grow, Brother Tommy. That's how relationships develop through spending time together, investing in each other. Come on, saints of God. You ought to help me preach this and we can get out of here. So how do I know Jesus? Well, the Bible tells me that, that we can only accept the wonderful gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, God's Son. Is that right? So you want to know how to know Jesus personally? Receive him. As the Lord of your life. How does that happen? The Bible said a man has to first believe that God is. And that then he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. Can anybody tell me how we receive Jesus? Yep. Through confession, repentance, and what's the key element? Faith. Faith. First of all, you have to accept who Jesus is. Those Jews despised Jesus. They said, he's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. Isn't that right? When they let that man, listen. When they brought them sick people in the presence of Jesus and Jesus healed them, them Jews couldn't stand that stuff. They said, he's blaspheming because only God can forgive sin. Jesus said, which has been easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Come on, y'all. They did not want to connect Jesus with the Father. No, the Jews did not want to receive Jesus as the Messiah. I'm preaching way better than you're responding. But this is the truth. This is why the Bible said he came into his own and his own Received him not. They were looking for him to overthrow the Roman authorities. But Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. Stand with me all over the house, will you? Stand with me. So, Pastor, how do I know God personally? The Bible says Romans 10 and 9. You there? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Is that right, Brother Jeff? Isn't that a simple equation? And why in the world do we want to complicate it so much? Salvation comes through faith. Believing that he is God's son, Jesus Christ, is God's son raised from the dead. And you know what Jesus' death did? Jesus' death satisfied God's righteous demands for the penalty of human sin. He paid the price. Let me tell you something else the devil won't like. Jesus' death validated his claims. Jesus' death made good on his father's faithful statements. And what did his father say? He is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Other fates want you to think differently. But Hebrews 1 and 3 already told us he was the image. You know what that means, Brother Errol? 
Brother Harold, you know what that means? That would be just like a stamp that you would put in a body of ink. And you would transfer the image of that stamp onto another object. That's why I said to know God is to know Jesus. To know Jesus is to know God. They function as one in purpose. In purpose. Jesus is a person. And knowing Jesus requires a relationship. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. These are the words of Christ. And here's what he says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You know what a lot of folks want to do? They want to separate those into three different categories. But can I help somebody? They are representative of, of the whole person of God. They're representative of you and I as whole people. Our heart, our soul, and our mind. It symbolizes wholeness. Amen? You know what loving God does? Loving God helps you love others. Oh, my. So, preacher, how can I know Jesus? I want to do something here that's going to hair lift the enemy. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this auditorium. There's nobody looking but me. Nobody. I don't, I don't want anybody looking around. Just pastor. Right now, in the presence of Almighty God, how many could be truthful in raising your hand? I mean, listen, I don't want you to extend it all the way. Just lift it so I can see it. That would say, I'm lost without the Lord. God bless you, saints. God bless you. God bless you. God bless all of you who were completely honest today in the Lord's presence. Can I tell you something? Jesus came to save you. He died that you could have life and that life everlasting. So preacher, how can I how can I know Jesus? You can you can know Jesus by believing that he is the son of God who died to redeem you. You can know him by accepting him as the Lord and Savior of your life. Well then, Pastor, how can I better know him? I can better know him by building a relationship with him and living a life that makes him known personally to others. There's no mysterious formula to a personal relationship with Jesus. I need you to know that that conversion, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost takes up residence inside of us. He lives in the life of every believer at conversion. And he does so to counsel us and to comfort us into all truths in relation to God's word. Now, of those persons who slipped up their hand, I wonder who would be bold enough to come to the altar of God today and say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus as the Lord of my life. I want to make a decision in this moment. I want to choose to give my life to God. Many of you might say, I don't know how. Many of you might say, I don't know what all this involves. Let me tell you what Paul says. Paul says to the church at Ephesus, it's through faith we are saved. That's the only ingredient that it takes for us to come to know Jesus. Faith. Believe that he is and come confessing. Repenting of your sin. And Jesus will take up residence in your heart. Let me help you real quick. Let me help you real quick. When you feel the tug of God at your heart, that's when it's time to come to Jesus. Because you don't come to Jesus when you're ready. Somebody missed a good place to shout amen. But you don't come to Jesus when you're ready. You know why you don't come to Jesus when you're ready? Because you're excited about the life you live in sin. The Bible said there's pleasure in sin, but it's just for a little while. 
Let's be real, guys. It's but for a season. So let's be real. If we're going to wait till we get things aligned, if we're going to wait till we've had all the fun we want in this life before we come to know Jesus, the enemy is going to deceive you. You are going to die and be lost without God eternally. You think that 18-year-old boy and girl last Saturday afternoon, do you think that they knew they were headed for a head-on collision with eternity? Do you think that they made things right with God? Come on, somebody. Do you think they had time? I want to tell you the Bible says, Seek the Lord, according to Hosea the prophet. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. There's only one time that we can be saved. And Jesus said these words. When the Spirit of my Father draws you, so I say to you today, you will know the tug of God. It's different than anything else. And if you feel the tug of God at your heart, I'm going to make time in this service to pray with you right now. Whomever you are. The devil in hell don't want you to step out on faith and make this decision. But he's a liar. He's the OG. All he's ever done is lie. He's the original liar. Come on, y'all. And this is just the truth. God wants you to know him. And then that you would make him known. I'm praying for you. All those hands that were extended. You, some of you might say in your heart, well, pastor, you're defeated today. Nobody came to the altar. No, that's not. No, I'm not defeated. No, no, no. That inspires me to pray even more. That encourages me to bombard heaven for your soul even more. Because I want you to know that as God loves you, I love you. And I want us to spend eternity together in heaven, amen, that can only be possible through repentance and confession, accepting Jesus as the Lord of your life. I love you. And I want you to know Christ as your personal Lord. Is it okay if I pray for you? Can I pray for you right now? God of heaven, your, your presence is so powerful in this service today. You have made yourself known from the very onset today, Father. Lord, I come against every effort of the enemy to confuse your people. I bind his every, every, thought. I bind his every tactic even right now to separate these people from you, the God that loves them. Lord, right now I pray their sleep would be trouble. I pray that this week their food won't taste the same. I pray, Heavenly Father, that they won't find rest until they give their heart to you. Lord, you said if we ask, believe, and we'd receive it. I wish somebody would agree with me right now that we're going to just, we're just going to bombard heaven. Oh, God, for the people that we love. And we refuse to allow Satan to drag them to the pit of perdition that they would be lost eternally with God. But we are going to combine our efforts and unite our faith to believe God that these people who we love will come to the knowledge not just the head, but the heart knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ personally. Father, cover your people as we leave this place, retreating to our homes and various destinations. Be with us. Bless our every endeavor this week to serve and to please you. Strengthen those families today who will funeralize their loved ones. God is our prayer, and we ask it by faith. In your son Jesus' name, his church said amen.